Hello, everyone. This is Saqib, and I'm joined by Sanket. And that's, uh, it's another episode. Uh, we will be talking about India, South Africa. Indian side has been victorious 5-1, which has been their, I think, most convincing and most important win in a bilateral ODI series away. Uh, welcome, Sanket. And uh, let's get into this right away. Yeah, thank you, Saqib. Great to be back once again. Yeah, so 5-1. Nobody saw this coming, uh, even the most diehard Indian fans. So how would you... You know, concisely, you know, look back at this, uh, you know, what unfolded in this series. Well, obviously, at the start of the series, no, no one no one would have predicted this this kind of a result. Uh, even though Ibrahim Valiers was absent for the first uh, for the first three years and uh, Faf Duplessis, uh, I mean, he got injured only after the first ODI and Quentin Dickow was not in great form, but you still expected South Africa playing at home, coming on, coming on the back of a, a 16-match unbeaten streak in ODI cricket at home. You would have still expected them to do better. Obviously, the pitches for the first couple of ODIs were quite subcontinental, and you know, probably, I mean, I don't want to take any credit away from India, but perhaps that just may allowed them to get into the series a little bit. But the way they played after that, and uh, even the ODI that they lost to Johannesburg due to the uh, Duckworth Lewis method in the rain curtailed ODI, which kind of hampered the spinners also, uh, they played they played really good cricket right throughout. And uh, and the, the manner in which they bounced back from that defeat, I actually thought at that time when South Africa made a comeback that they might just uh, come back and level the series because I, I remember an ODI series against England. Uh, where South Africa were trailing 2-0 after the first couple of ODIs and then they won that pink pink day uh, pink day ODI at Johannesburg and then came back to win the next couple of ODIs to win the ODI series 3-2 so i just thought that something similar might happen especially given that india lost that ODI due to one no ball of his hell but the manner in which india came back and showed the character to you know bounce back after that defeat was again uh, really impressive and and they didn't they didn't take the foot off the gas even after sealing the series and absolutely dominated them in the last ODI which was probably the most convincing win of the series and virat kohli absolutely brilliant so yeah, a very impressive performance. Uh, let's hold uh, thoughts on Kohli and his brilliance for a little later in this episode. But let's talk about the men at the top of the order. Uh, Chikhar Dhawan, I know we've spoken very openly uh, in his sh- uh, of his shortcomings in the red ball cricket, which is test matches in- on this uh, very uh, platform. But he was uh, really the second best player in the Indian side by, by, a, you know, by a landslide. And he really led from the top and scored, you know, a couple of meaningful, you know, innings in the series. So, uh, what do you attribute his success to? I mean, uh, he, he had a somewhat ordinary test series, but he really bounced back strong in the white ball format. Yeah, Dhawan has always been a very good limited worst cricketer, especially uh, right from his comeback in the ODI side, uh, which was incidentally against South Africa in the 2013 Champions Trophy, where he scored that 100 at Cardiff. He, he has been very consistent in this format of the game, especially in ICC tournaments. He's dominated three ICC tournaments, all of which have been outside Asia. So there seems to be that perception that his shortcomings as a, a, a test cricketer outside the subcontinent, you know, get conflated with his limited overs credentials, credentials as well. But you've got to remember that limited overs pitches these days are largely homogenized and the conditions are on the flatter side. So batsmen can generally tend to do well in ODI cricket in, in all conditions. And that one has definitely made the transition uh, from being a, a flat track bully to someone who is generally quite quite adept 
in in this format of the game in in all kinds of conditions uh, and uh, yeah his, his record in south africa uh, was not great prior, prior to the series he failed in the bilateral series that was played here in 2013 that was uh, on pitches that were had a bit more spice that they were like as match like wickets but in the series he has come back very strongly and especially that 100 at johannesburg which came on a typical south african surface which had some bounce and some seam movement uh by far the most south african pitch of the series and against a full strength south african pace attack uh, it was basically the same attack that they had for the test series minus one in philander and he scored 100 in that odi so that was a, a very impressive innings from davon so yeah he is definitely taken huge huge strides forwards um, uh, uh, in, in this series as an odi batsman and just continuing his good work uh, from the champions trophy and all that so yeah very good batsman in this format of the game and yeah uh so does this series really separate him a little bit from rohit sharma because uh, a lot of people uh, including myself uh, have the opinion that sharma is clearly the second best odi bat india has uh, how do you compare the two openers and who according to you is more valuable given the world cup is only 2 years away and it's going to be played uh, in england absolutely if you're looking at the world cup and especially in england you can't look beyond the one his, his record in icc tournaments is unparalleled for india in the last three tournaments it's actually better than even virat kohli so and especially in the champions trophy he has been the leading run scorer in the last couple of champions trophies which were played uh, in england so obviously uh, he is a proven performer in this format of the game in those conditions uh, in england so yeah and that one tends to be i think a bit more consistent than rohit sharma and and he's is and he's a better big match player i think i mean rohit sharma is probably more dangerous when he gets going especially against weaker opposition uh, he, he can really d- damage your morale completely get those big double hundreds that one perhaps not quite as explosive at his best but he is more consistent he he can he'll get you 50s and on a more regular basis and he's also capable of scoring uh, the uh, odd 100 here and there as well and yeah his record in big tournaments is terrific so yeah if you if you ask me about world cup then i think definitely i would place that one above rohit sharma as far as india's uh, as far as india's second best player is concerned and uh, let's talk about rahane before we actually talk about kohli so when we spoke last uh, rahane you know had scored uh, 70 odd runs in you know the first or second odi and now he had uh, run out and you know like some mixed uh, outings and then he scored a 34 not out which was kind of a foregone conclusion because kohli had really gripped the match and it was a low chasing affair anyway so what do you take of rahane's series uh, do we still give him enough chances or uh, should we uh, uh, persist with him going forward uh, keeping the world cup in mind absolutely not because i mean i said even after the first odi when he scored that 50 that i hadn't seen anything from rahane that we haven't seen in the past that we uh, al- didn't already already know that he was capable of and that is score uh, scoring those you know uh, uh, 50s and 60s at a strike rate of 75 to 80 at max 85 when uh, when the scores are on the lower side and when i say lower side i generally mean the 250 to 270 range but that is a fairly low total in odi cricket these days i mean 300 is basically par for the course most of the time so yeah rahane is is a useful cricketer in those kind of games when that is a par total but once again i mean uh, after that first odi where you know he had virat kohli batting at the other end and sheltering him and scoring quickly uh, in what was a fairly low scoring match in the in the remaining games when india especially when india batted first and uh, they were placed like uh, 
100 for uh, 150 for two after the 170 for two after 30 overs or something like that and they really needed their number four batsman to accelerate and take control of the innings and bat right till the end and make those impactful contributions Rahani was found wanting and that is the kind of role that you actually need from a number four batsman not coming in at 10 for two because that is not going to happen all that often India have got by far the best top three in ODI cricket they have got three extremely reliable batsmen possibly the three of the best ODI batsmen in the world in Rohit, Dhawan and Kohli so it's unlikely that you're going to be encountering situations where you need a rare guard action so they need a guy who, at number four who can you know really take control of the innings and um, score it up higher strike rate so definitely Rahane is not the guy for that and I don't think there is any point in persisting with him Is uh, Lokesh Rahul a guy we can inject in the middle order or that's going to be messing up with his uh, batting resume? No, I think it's definitely a better option than Rahane. He seems to have more firepower in his game. He's, he can he can play the big shots. He scored a T20-100. I know it's a different format, but he scored a T20-100 against West Indies, batting at number 5 in what was a rather uncharacteristic role for him. Um, scored 100 of like what 45 deliveries. In the end, it was in losing cause because MS Dhoni other other end couldn't quite get going. But that that for me showed his adaptability. And even in the few matches that he has played in the middle order in the IPL as well, he's done reasonably well. So maybe he, I mean, uh, he hasn't been given much of a run in the Indian Indian ODI side. He played only a couple of matches in Sri Lanka where he struggled on slow pitches against uh, Akela Dhananjaya, who's a mystery spinner. But you can't really judge him on that because the pitches in England are going to be much flatter. They're going to be much truer. And the ball is going to come onto the bat nicely, and you'll primarily be facing fast bowlers and you know more orthodox kind of spinners. So I don't think you should judge him based on those two ODIs in Sri Lanka. And I think purely as a prospect in terms of explosive potential. Uh, and his ability to rotate the strike and his ability to clear the fence as well as, I think, match awareness. I think KL Rahul also has great match awareness, which is what you need from number four batsman. And uh, and he's also a batsman with the proper technique. So even if you lose a couple of early wickets on a rare day that happens, he, he's a he's opening batsman in test cricket. So he also has the technique to you know stem the collapse and rebuild the innings. So I think definitely looking at that, he, he's a more versatile player than Rahane and would definitely worth a go, uh, at least for a couple of series in my opinion. Okay, oh, fair enough. And let's talk about man of the hour, Virat Kohli. Five hundred fifty-eight runs. Uh, uh, the man has become a you know batting machine. Uh, fine, uh, you know uh, some may disagree. Uh, you don't want to bring in other forms of cricket like say Test cricket, where Steve Smith is a standard, but Virat Kohli is just turning out to be in a league of his own in the say ODI cricket, and uh, he single-handedly uh, ran the table in the series. Absolutely, and I mean, I wouldn't say he's the best ODI batsman in the world uh, of those present, of the currently active batsmen as far as the career goes, because I still think A.B. Villiers is ahead in that regard. But I'll not get there today. Yeah, but uh, on current form, obviously, uh, Virat Kohli is just miles and miles ahead of pretty much everyone else in the world. Uh, the level at which he batted in the series, the scoring 300 against South Africa, and South Africa is something that has never happened. And he was the first; he became the first batsman to score. 500 runs in a bilateral ODI series, which is quite astonishing. I mean, this ODI cricket has been around for more than 50 years now. And there have been quite a few five-match, six-match, seven-match series, and no one has been able to um, uh, reach this mark. And Rod Kohli has done this away from home against South Africa, a team, uh, a place where South India have traditionally struggled in the manner in which he has not just scored runs, but absolutely dominated and, you know, completely demoralized their bowlers. I think that has been quite a sight so, yeah, unbelievable batsman. And 
and he's continues to yeah and uh, and and to your point and to your point south africa were missing some key batsmen but uh, their bowling lineup was you know besides uh, stain was a fully fit bowling lineup and and kohli went against that bowling lineup and produced the kind of brilliance that we saw absolutely 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 as you said uh, the the injuries were largely in the batting department although i'm not so sure if south africa are picking the best attack because i think mokel uh, rabada and and gidi should have played more together but that's besides the point because even even when even in those matches even the couple of matches that they did play together they didn't really have much of an impact so uh, you'd have to give uh, credit to the indian batsmen for the way they handled them dhawan and kohli especially they were just unbelievable right throughout the series the manner in which they tackled the south african pace attack and uh, the manner in which they attacked the spinners because uh, they knew they knew that they had a very you know vulnerable middle order or or a middle order that somewhat lacks in firepower so in one of the odis especially at cape town odi dhawan proactively went after the spinners and even virat kohli so that that shows the their match awareness as well uh, uh, trying to cover up for the shortcomings in other areas so yeah they've been absolutely sensational and yeah the middle order is something that india will have to address going forward but if you look at the top 3 and especially kohli i mean i, I don't think there's any team in the world that can come anywhere near them absolutely phenomenal can there be conditions in odi like back in the day even in icc tournaments when pitches were bowling uh, friendly or seam friendly can those be the conditions where kohli could be you know found out or he uh, conditions at this point don't matter in a short version he will find a way i guess i mean there there aren't a lot of odi played in in those type of conditions these days so you, it's, it's hard to know i mean probably because the rarity in such conditions that kohli might just face some problems as uh, you know when you're used to bat- playing in certain conditions and then you're suddenly confronted with a different kind of challenge batsmen generally take the time to adjust but honestly i don't think we will have any kind of any any such kind of pitches for icc tournaments even the pitches that are favor the seam bowlers they'll generally be on the drier side the likes of uh, the, the likes of which we saw in the champions trophy uh, semi final between pakistan and england it was a dry surface and it it suited bowlers who could um, bang the ball into the deck and get the ball to reverse swing and hasan ali and junaid khan is in a, in particular exploited that beautifully but i don't think you'll see green tops where you know you just pitch the ball on a good length and get it to seam around uh, like you do in test cricket so yeah even if the pitches are bowler friendly it won't be the kind of bowler friendly pitches that you had in the uh, johannesburg or, or cape town tests where the you know uh you had to bowl the test match test style lens and uh, getting caught in the slip caught and all that i don't think you'll see such pitches in in, in limited overs cricket especially in the world cup okay and the tendulkar meter comparison is on and it's getting louder because every time kohli goes out and scores 100 the gap is minimized and now it's astonishing 3500s uh, nobody thought this comparison would be this close this soon were so seeming like a looming looming large reality and virat kohli you know if he doesn't go out of form say for a year or so is on course to break that record sooner than expected
Yeah, he should break it within, I think, two or three years at max. I mean, the way at which he's going, he's in the form of his life, and he's and there aren't any really, you know, outstanding bowling attacks around that could possibly uh, trouble him or maybe find a chink in his armor. He just seems to have the answers to pretty much everything that is thrown his way at him these days. So yeah, I mean, the records are meant to be broken, as the as Sunil Gavaskar said when Alan Border broke his record for most Test runs in 1993. 25 years later, the statement is still very much true. Mm. So, uh, yeah, obviously, um, that is something that, you know, is, feels like an inevitability right now. Well, let's switch from one great to another Indian icon, MS Dhoni. I know India has won 5-1, so, you know, a lot of time these kind of wins shelter some other questions. And uh, the focus is always on the win. What is Dhoni's future and are you of the uh, opinion that he should be the choice for the World Cup? Because definitely his hitting powers are not where it used to be. He's not the finisher like Sharon said in the last podcast. you see him part of uh, the this next World Cup campaign and a useful slot? Uh, it's a tricky one because uh, Dhoni is a wicked keeper, so you obviously need a good enough keeper to replace him as well. And it's not just about the batting. As, as, especially, uh, as far as his batting goes, he definitely doesn't warrant a spot as a batsman these days. I mean, unlike in the past where you could probably pick him just as a specialist batsman regardless of his keeping skills and his keeping were, you know, just a bonus. But uh, yeah, obviously his batting is on the way and definitely playing him and Rahani in the same side is uh, is a recipe for disaster because uh, both are very similar type of players who take time to play themselves in and, and, and are unable to accelerate to the extent that you want later on. So, I mean, if they do drop Rahane and if they intend to continue, continue with Dhoni, then I think he should probably bat just as high as possible, uh, at least at number four. Possibly even at number three at times, maybe Virat Kohli can bat at four and uh, control the innings from there. I know it sounds ridiculous considering the uh, runs that he's scoring at number three, but considering India's lack of options in the middle order, that is a potential option because Virat Kohli has done well there as well in the past. So, uh, yeah, that that is something that could be tried. I'm not too sure if they have any wicket, wicket alternatives for Dhoni. Rishabh Pant is doing well in the domestic competitions. Uh, but obviously, the limited overs teams are largely picked on what happens in the IPL. So maybe if he has a good IPL or there is Ishan Kishan as well from Jharkhand who's playing for the Mumbai Indians this year. So if he has a good IPL, I think those are the two names that could possibly throw themselves uh, into the ring. Uh, but other than that, I, I'll, I'll be surprised if they do move on from Dhoni, unless, of course, he decides to retire voluntarily. So, yeah, they're probably stuck with Dhoni, so they're just going to try and uh, make the best use of him, and that is to bat, uh, bat him as high as possible. Hmm. Uh, Dhoni, very much like Dravid, I don't see him you know, hanging around the day he feels you know there's no point, but let's let's... Let's stay focused on this and let's see what comes out of uh, this situation. But right now, he's India's keeper. Uh, so, let's talk about the South African side of things. And uh, the man in question is A.B. de Villiers. I mean, injury-prone, you know, hiatus uh, for the most part of uh, last year. He's back, looked good in test cricket in patches. But like his test resume, he had a lot of starts, didn't convert. Then uh, out of the first three ODIs, uh, looked good in patches. Uh, where does this, this man go from here? I mean, what is your take? On A.B. de Villiers, where does he stand right now in his own comparison with himself? Uh, it is kind of 
Yeah, it is kind of weird actually because I mean he's probably going through a phase where most cricketers go through at 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 this age. I mean he's around he's he's thirty four. It was actually his birthday today, so he's turned thirty four. And uh, even Tendulkar at this at this age had a had a bad patch thing in the two thousand six seven uh, where he had a terrible World Cup. So I mean these these are the phases that cricket uh, cricketer goes through. A B De Villiers is saying he's hitting the ball really well, and it is true. I mean a player out of form cannot play the kind of innings that he played on. Um, in the in the test matches, especially at Cape Town, on an absolute green seamer, and then in uh, at Century in the second innings on a surface that was playing up and down. So yeah, I think he's hitting the ball really well. I think the problem with him is uh, having having come back from a long hiatus uh, at international level, uh, at test level rather, is uh, probably just finding it difficult to get that rhythm of test match batsmanship going, playing the long innings that he used to in the past. So that that, that is a bit of a um, you know that that is. That is something that he'll sort out uh, over over the course of time. The more the more matches he plays, and obviously in ODIs, I, I, yeah, he came back from injury. The first ODI, obviously, that was a bit of a T20 kind of a situation. Where he had to go bang bang from ball one. And the next couple of ODIs, I was a little bit surprised by his mode of dismissals. He was trying to play too many shots, but I don't think there is a major concern as such. I think it's more about his mental approach, and you can probably just try to temper his shots a little bit at the start of the innings, but not not a lot of issues. I think he's hitting the ball really. Well, unlike Hashim Amla, who at times appears a little bit out of form, but Ibrahim Villas, I think his his form looks all right. It's just about getting that one big innings uh, and getting that pace of the, pace of his innings right, and he'll be fine. I don't think there is anything to be worried about. No, no. I hope you're right. My only concern is like sometimes you know these uh, South Africans or Australians. Uh, you think there's a lot of cricket, at least as a fan's point of view, left in them, and all of a sudden the announcement comes like with Callis or Mike Hussey. So I hope uh, De Villiers is still around for a few more years to, you know, to. I think he'll probably he's he's hinted at retiring after the World Cup, so you know he'll definitely be around at least for another year or so. So let's just enjoy him while we can, and hopefully, if he has a good World Cup and if he continues to play well, hopefully he'll change his mind and play on for a while longer. Mm, yeah, uh, rightfully so. And yeah, the AB Devil is in Amla. Again, we'll be the talking points when we review the upcoming battle with Australia, which is for another episode. Right now, let's focus on uh, Team India. Uh, so yeah, India, no doubt, you know, had their best outing in ODIs and Kohli and his team, you know, definitely with a chip of arrogance is walking, you know, a fine line and, you know, they're delivering some results. And multiple things can be correct, even though Test match uh, win was a dead rubber, but it surely carried some confidence. At least I'm a firm believer. Uh from from that win uh, in Test series, even some of the players uh, were not part of uh, the ODI setup. So now let's talk about the elephant in the room. I'm sure most cricket fans know uh, there was a press conference held after the ODI series where the coach is ceremoniously, you know, part of answering questions. And uh, uh, not many are big fans of Ravi Shastri, you know, for you know the kind of coaching acumen he's been spreading. But you know, this was uh, a very low blow calling Siddharth Monga out in a press conference, and then in the end, looks like it was planned. It was he just wanted to give it back. I mean, what what kind of example are we setting? And I know not many people are looking up to Shastri, you know, uh, for any examples. But this was pretty ridiculous, even by the by his low standards. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I thought it was funny at first, but yeah, I mean, if just trying to put yourself in the journalist's shoes and Siddharth Monga is one of the best journalists that you have around in Indian cricket, is a very good analyst for Crick Info, generally very fair in his analysis as well. And for him to, you know, be standing in that, in that room in front of many lots of journalists both indian as well as south african and to be embarrassed like that by being called out uh, almost singled out by uh, the indian coach i think that's quite embarrassing and definitely not something that i would ever like to experience in my life so yeah i mean that was pretty classless from shastri and uh, i mean uh, harboring any grudges against the journalists for w- doing their job which is to analyze and point out mistakes mm. I, I mean that 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 really i think i mean doesn't make any sense and I mean that's quite quite needless to be very honest. So let me ask you this, right? I mean, the, we are living in this uh, era where obviously there's more scrutiny from fans and media, and you know sometimes it's uh, hard to separate a fanboy journalist from an actual journalist. And Manga, you know, like you said to his credit, has been very analy- analytical and has been doing what press is supposed to do: to be fair, to be objective, to ask reasonable questions, even though you are from. your nationality is indian i think he's always put you know cricket first and asked you know a question that are totally born out of cricket acumen not about any vendetta and then uh, that brings me to the point we can't have a coach in the team who is trying to you know show the captain a mirror now we are also going to point out to journalists who are not you know being just cheerleaders so what is next i mean uh, where is the balance and, and how often are we going to cross this line and still you know look the other way as a, as a public who, who adores cricket well the uh, the precedent has already been set with anil kumble being putted out the uh, indian setup i mean we have already spoken at length on that so i wouldn't like to go into it again but yeah it has been going on for quite some time now especially since virat kohli uh, has become the player that he is I, even even when he was not the captain during uh, the world cup in 2015 when he, he was already a well established player by then he had a terrific test series in australia and during the world cup i think he had he had a tiff uh, with one of the journalists one of the local journalists i believe and i, I think yeah i don't remember the exact details but this is something that's been going on for a while now even after the 2015 test series win against south africa at home when india were questioned on why they did produce such appalling wickets especially in the couple of test matches that they won at nagpur and mohali on some really poor turners uh virat kohli lashed out at them and saying it's none none of your business and all that so yeah i mean i really don't know how long this is going to continue but uh, this has been clearly a cultural shift in, in the indian team ever since you know the likes of tendulkar dravid and lakshman uh, have uh, have retired and uh, the younger players are coming in and they perhaps perhaps are not quite as humble or uh, you know as down to earth as uh, the previous generation so maybe it's just a cultural thing maybe it's just generation generational thing Uh, i don't know but yeah what happened yesterday was quite unfortunate and definitely not something that should happen too often yeah but if we go back to the harsha bhogle amitabh bachchan you know that uh, thing uh, and you know like even it was about ms dhoni and then we know bhogle was out of work and now we see a very 
timid version of Bogle, you know, who's become, who's been reduced to a, you know, cheerleader. And, and I've also noticed uh, a slight change of tone in Akash Chopra. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm out there being, you know, like trying to catch these things. But we are living in a time where, you know, like the whole idea is, is changing. There cannot be any contrary, you know, views. There cannot be a good dialogue. It has to be total worship mode. And, you know, uh, and, I, I, and I worry. We may not see the full potential of Kohli because we are not allowing him to grow. We are just putting him in a pedestal where, of course, he's a great uh, feisty character. He'll find ways to win. But comparing him to, you know, like other generations, I think the growth is hampered here because uh, BCI is, like, you know, providing this, you know, like uh, look the other way approach and whatever he says, he's the face of cricket. So instead of teaching him a lesson, or at least at least a slap on the wrist, uh, we just keep, continue to look the other way. Yeah, Graham Smith also pointed this pointed this out of the first out of the, after the second test at 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 Centurion uh, when Virat Kohli you know was uh, in the spotlight for making all those changes that he did and he seemed to be completely clueless about the team combination and he was just lashing out at journalists for asking reasonable questions. He pointed out that uh, Virat Kohli needed someone in the dressing room who can actually challenge him and, and because you only become better uh, when you challenge. I mean, there's no doubt about Virat Kohli's abilities as a batsman. But as far as his captaincy is concerned, he, he, he's still fairly inexperienced in that role. Even though he's been there for three years, I don't think I've seen a lot of growth from him uh, from a tactical point of view. And that might have been largely down to him being rather unchallenged by the coaches or anyone in the dressing room because there are no senior players around. He is the senior player. The coach is a, is a, 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 a cheerleader of sorts. So Virat Kohli is pretty much the boss and he is running the show pretty much on his own. So... Yeah, if, if if at all he has to improve, he, he pretty much has to improve on his own because there's no one really to pass on valuable inputs to him. And obviously, even in the even in the media, people are obviously currently not being allowed to express their opinions, which is quite ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I clearly don't like this cultural shift that has happened, and hopefully. I would like to add something that I've really said on this podcast before. Ahmad, who's been on this podcast a few times, and you've done a podcast for them. He clearly said uh, in our email discussion a while back when uh, Kumble was made coach, he said, Dravid just dodged that bullet. And Ahmad is sometimes his master of conspiracy theories, but that theory just stands tall. Dravid knew what this would result in, and we all know Kumble is in the books. And now just uh, we should uh, you know, uh, call this podcast off on a note where you and me have discussed uh, Virat Kohli, you know, who's very active on Twitter, he's driving and sometimes taking selfies and posting, which again is not, you know, ever good while driving and taking pictures. That's a different conversation. But this guy, my point is so active on Twitter about, you know, his social presence and engaging with fans. He congratulates Team India's under-19 win and totally leaves Dravid out. And it's not a coincidence after Dravid, you know, gave some comments how Kohli and his banter sometimes can be over the top. And uh, so this is a guy, I think, who is taking a lot of these things personal. And, you know, of course, he's King Kohli right now. It's his time. Uh, and uh, to me, I mean, the overall product is good if India is winning, but I'm not one of those guys that win at all costs because he's bringing this this extra, you know, arrogance and extra, uh, you know, vindictive attitude, which I think a lot of people are not even seeing or they say, okay, India wins, I don't care. But if you're treating the Kumblas and Dravids like this, I mean, this is just not a good example. Absolutely not. I mean, I wouldn't like to comment on this uh, congratulating thing because, I mean, you know, you, you may well have 
called him or text him for all we know so i mean i don't really jan- like to judge players based on that but yeah the way kumble was booted out or even the way journalists have been treated uh, especially even someone like harsha bogle is a very very experienced and well renowned well respected commentator the manner in, manner in which he was booted out of the commentary setup for almost a couple of years yeah i mean uh, uh, the the precedent that has been set over the last few years quite dangerous and definitely not something that you would like to see being continued i mean i remember ian chappell refusing to do commentary for bcci in 2013 because uh, uh, they they were trying to censor what he says and uh, he was not being allowed to talk about the drs i know bcci has accepted the drs now but they, they but they were not accepting of the drs back then so and um, obviously he was uh, ian chappell is someone who talks straight and uh, he, he calls a spade a spade he he, he will criticize if something is there to be criticized so uh, and that is something that the bcci were clearly not happy with and ian chapel decided to pull out of the contract and uh, uh, refused to do commentary because he 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 didn't want to be in a situation where he was being censored by the opposition cricket board so that, that is something and that, that's probably a reason why you don't see michael holding also commenting on, on some of india's home games or even in icc tournaments and all so yeah obviously not a good culture uh, that's being set right now and hopefully it changes uh, i'm not very hopeful about that but let's see i mean no no i'll go back to the point that i made and you responded in a very you know good way and you're absolutely right at this level people probably text each other but again i'll just want to reinforce the point kohli is not a guy you know who's shying away from tweets when everybody in, in india is wishing rahul dravid on his birthday and then rahul dravid's team winning under 19 world cup I know they could have been texting each other but it's 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 pretty it's mind boggling to me that Kohli didn't take the twitter out when for the smallest things he takes the twitter yeah. out but again that's me you know uh, I I follow my gut yeah, on these could, things you know, and I could be way be off right. and I've been wrong many times I just don't think it's probably but... fair to you know judge him for that when we perhaps don't know what exactly has happened behind the scenes but what we know do know is uh, what happened to kumble or what has been happening to journalists and all and there's been plenty of evidence to suggest that virat kohli's attitude is clearly not ideal and definitely needs changing so all right so thank you once again it was a great uh, episode uh, let's do this again a uh, lot of good cricket coming up australia south africa i'm sure you are eager let's talk that out and everybody who's listening even if you don't like the gibberish we put out there just you know scold us you know write feedback and just interact and we'll try to you know deliver a better episode next time and if you like us then also you know write a line or two once again thanks for listening have fun and enjoy the t20s that are coming up and uh, yeah let's talk to you guys soon